Well, good morning. Uh, this week, once again, I will be teaching topically. If you're curious what that means, I have a topic to preach on. Typically, I, uh, a lot of times I preach expositorily where I go through scripture and I uh, find going through a book and we go to the next part of the book that we haven't covered and whatever is in the book that we expose or we teach on. But today, uh, I'm going to be teaching topically. What topic would you like to hear about today? You guys get to choose. Excuse me? Cake. 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 I hope you make a cake for your mom today. It's Mother's Day, Olin. Very good. All right. I'm not going uh, to teach on cake today. The topic today, I do have one picked, by the way. Were you a little afraid that you might have to pick the topic? Yes. Did that put fear in you that you might have to be involved here? Well, that's the topic today, fear. Uh, are you afraid of anything? What are your fears? Uh, and I'll, I'll just say as a kind of a preamble or get you out on the front porch of this sermon, if we will, I have a lot of experience with fear. Uh, I spent 25 years of my adult life, uh, many years as a child too, but not professionally as a child, of course, but of my adult life, I spent 25 years as a professional horse trainer. Horses are flight from fear animals. They are prey animals. So they have uh, it built into them to be afraid, and some are more afraid than others. We have the ones that aren't very afraid. We call them unflappable. Things don't scare them that much. And that can either be uh, bred into them a little bit, or it can be trained into them somewhat. And that was my job, was to train in uh, inflappability into a horse. There, you have a new word for today. It's not a theological term, but you could use it that way. Inflappability. So we're going to be talking about fear. And one thing in horse training circles that we talk about, and we can use the same thing here, is there's really two types of fear. And you're going to say, oh yeah, we're in church, so we have to say, you know, fear being afraid and reverential fear. Well, those are two types of fear, but that's not what I meant. We will talk about those two types of fear in a few minutes. But I'm going to talk about what's called justified fear and unjustified fear. Now, justified fear is a good thing. Now, some of you are wearing masks in here, and if I were to take those masks and pull them up over your eyes so that you could not see, and then take you somewhere just for fun, to play a trick on you maybe, and I took you to the premises of a hill that was a, maybe a cliff that's a thousand feet straight down with, with jagged rocks at the bottom, and then I pulled the blindfold off, and you looked down, what would you feel? Fear. fear. You'd say, now that's a justified fear because you're on the edge of a cliff and you could fall. And that's where fear can be a good thing because of that fear that you naturally see. You'd say, I'm going to back up. And that's, that's a good thing. Fear is not always bad. Fear can keep you safe. It can keep you alive. Okay, so we have justified fear, and that would be a justified fear. Now, if I did the same thing, and, and I brought you over to this stage, I'll go on this side, keep our cameraman busy, and I brought you here, maybe down even on the lower step, and I, and I pulled the blindfold down, and you looked down, and you went, <gasps> now that would be pretty unjustified. That would be an unjustified fear, because even if you fell, Okay? You're not going to get hurt. All right? So that would be an unjustified fear. So we have justified and unjustified fears. And the justified fears that we have can be based on our experience. They can be based on common knowledge. 
in the unjustified fears, well, well, we'll have an example of an unjustified fear in a little while. But sometimes we're fearful of things that we really shouldn't be very fearful of. And especially as a child of God, we have to really distinguish. Okay, we have a justified fear where my body could get hurt, and being that I don't really like pain, that fear could be justified. But then we have bigger things that maybe we're not in immediate danger, but yet fear gets into us anyway, and what we're going to find is that fear of things that we don't really know are not really justified if we have faith in God. And really the opposite thing of fear is faith. We'll look at that in Mark chapter 4 in a few minutes. So we've seen some uh, benefits of fear. We see some problems. Fear can, fear can keep us from progressing in life. And it also, fear can make it very easy for somebody else to control us. Okay? If we can get a person afraid of things, we can kind of control them. Just be aware of that when you're thinking about your own fears. The other thing fear can do that's not good, fear can make us self-focused. It, it can make it so we're always worried about our own safety, our own well-being, that we become unconcerned for other people's safety. So we've got to be careful with fear. And the Bible has uh, a lot um, to say about fear. And God understands that we can be fearful creatures. We have fears, and God knows it. And when we become a child of God, He takes care of us in our fears. I just want to show you an example. Back in the Old Testament, in the book of Judges, there's a man of valor, God called him. His name's Gideon. You all remember Gideon? He judged Israel. But Gideon had, he, didn't, he might not say he had a, a fear problem, because he was very bold. He knocked down the Temple of Baal. He, in the end, it shows how he conquers the thousands and thousands of Midianite soldiers with just 300 men. So you think of him as somebody who is strong, he's courageous, he's a, he's a warrior. But Gideon had fears. And we start to see his fears early on, because remember, Gideon is the one who puts out a fleece to test God. Say, God, I know this is what you want me to do, but look, if it's really what you want me to do, I'm going to put a fleece out. And if you could make the dew all around the fleece, on the, on the ground, all around the fleece wet, but keep the dew dry, then I'll know it's, it's really from you that I've got to do this. So God does it. He fills up his faith. He, he does it exactly the way Gideon wants. And then the next day Gideon says, that's good. I really like that. But let's just suppose, I want to make really, really sure. So this time, could you put the dew, the wetness on the fleece and leave the ground dry? God's like, yeah. Got you, Gideon. You're covered. So he does it exactly the way Gideon requests. So Gideon's faith is, is brought up. And, and now it's, it's getting closer and closer to when Gideon is going to go in and drive the Midianites, who have been suppressing the Israelites for a long time. And Gideon is the man who's going to do it. And here's a, here's a conversation between God and Gideon. And this is in chapter 7 of Judges, in verse 9. <coughs> It said, it happened on the same night that the Lord said to him, Arise, go down against the camp, for I have delivered it into your hand. But if you are afraid to go down, 
Go down to the camp with Pura, your servant, and you shall hear what they say. And afterward, your hands shall be strengthened to go down against the camp. So God just lays it out for him. Here's what you need to do. And I understand. So if you're afraid, if you're afraid, I don't know, if you're afraid, take Pura with you. The next verse is very telling. Or the next uh, statement. Then he went down with Pura, his servant. So Gideon had fear. Gideon was afraid to go down there by himself. He went down with his servant to the outpost of the armed men who were in the camp. And then what he does is he overhears a conversation and he knows they're ready to run and he does the attack and, and he becomes this great uh, judge in Israel. But we need to understand, God understands that we can be fearful no matter how strong or bold that we look. We all have fears. And, and you're going to see all through Scripture, uh, we're going to hear fear the Lord. That's a good thing. But you're also going to hear over and over, I'll do it in the, in the King James, the Old English, because it sounds really good, right? Fear ye not. Fear ye not. And what is that almost always followed by? For I am with thee. Fear ye not, for I am with ye. So ask yourself today, is God with you? And if God is with you, have you fears? Cast them onto Him and be obedient. We have to have the right kind of fear for God, reverential fear, and we have to respond properly to our fear of the Lord. Now, fear of the Lord is a good thing. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Okay? But we have to respond properly to the fear of the Lord. And we're going we're gonna to look now at a passage. This is probably the main passage of the text. And this, this passage of Scripture is in Matthew 25. It's the par parable of the talents. Now, of course, there's many things to teach from this parable. I'm going to focus, we'll read the whole thing, but I'm going to focus, I believe it's verse 25, uh, where the one who was given one talent, let's just skip ahead to that. And he says, I, and I was afraid, and I was afraid. So what we're going to learn is the three people in this story all had reverential fear of their master. But they all responded differently, and that's really where we're at. How do we respond to our reverential fear of God, and how do we respond to the fear of other things that come at us in life? Let's go to verse 14. We're just going to read through it. Drink here. Matthew 25, verse 14. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two talents 
gained two, two also. But the one who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received the five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, and at my coming I would have received back my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to, to him who has ten talents. For everyone who has, more will be given, and he, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is a pretty serious uh, parable. A place, casting that unprofitable servant into a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. We're not going to go through the whole parable, but I just want to make this point. Why, why was he unprofitable? Because fear drove him to do the wrong thing. His fear of God made him want to be safe. The other two servants, they had a fear of God as well. And their, their fear of God was reverential in that this guy really, he, he's, he gathers where he hasn't even scattered seed. Uh, to please him, I'm going to take what he has given me and I'm going to spread it and I'm going to make it grow. So the, they both, all of them had a reverential fear of God. But one of them had the wrong works. He had no works. And it's not works that save us. It's not what I'm saying. But when we have a right attitude about God, we will not be fearful of God in a way that paralyzes us to do nothing. We will have a fear of God that drives us to glorify Him and to spread the good news of the gospel everywhere. But it was fear that brought this man's uh, circumstances upon him to be cast out. We're going to look at a couple of scriptures. Because, like I said, it's good to be fearful of God in a reverential way. 
it's not good to be fearful of God in a way that stifles you. And if you are fearful of God in a reverential way, you fear no longer man in any way. You're not afraid anymore of what man can do to you. And then you can be bold in your faith. You're not afraid of what governments will do to you. You're not afraid of what councils will do to you. Look at the early apostles, the apostles early in the book of Acts and what they did. They were bold in their faith because they knew who their true master was. In Revelation 21, in verse 8, this is talking about all things being made, known, made new, and there's a new heaven. And in verse 8, this is kind of interesting because I'm going to go to Philippians 8, 4, 8 in a little while, but in verse 8 of Revelation 21, there is a list of people who will not be welcomed into heaven. As a matter of fact, it says they will be cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, which burns forever, and it's called the second death. And at the top of the list are the cowardly. It says, but the cowardly, I'm reading from the New King James, you might have a version that says the fearful, it means the same thing. The fearful. Those who are stifled by their fear, that they can't move. That's the top of the list for the people who hold on to their sin rather than holding on to their Savior, who will be cast into that hell. It's pretty interesting. The list goes on. The cowardly, the unbelieving, the abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Being fearful is sin. I don't think we can have a scripture that puts it out any more plainly here. We would agree on everything else in that list in Revelation 21.8 is sin. We need to agree that being cowardly and being fearful is also sin. Of Greek words that are used uh, for for fear, being afraid. Um, speaking Greek is not my forte, so if you do speak Greek and you're listening to this, excuse me. Uh, but the main one that's all most almost always used is phobeo, where we get the words uh, phobia from. But there's another one. Uh, and it's uh, dialos. It means timid or faithless. That's the word that's used here in Revelation 21. Timid and faithless. In Mark chapter 4, I'll just explain it. Jesus is, remember, he's asleep on the boat, and there's a big storm, and his disciples are filled with fear. Fear. And he wakes up. And he comes to them, he says, why are you so afraid? Actually, the word is, why are you so fearful? And then he says, ye of little faith. Why are you without faith? Why are you so afraid? You see, faith 
displaces fear. The two are antithetical to each other. They cannot exist together. As your faith grows, your fears will shrink. As your fear grows, your faith will shrink. Fortunately, uh, God, through all of Scripture, gives us ways to deal with our fear. I just, you know, and when you ask, well, how should I deal with my fears? We're going to go through a list. I, I've got it for you. But we're going to use a method that I think is biblical, and I think it works, and I think it's totally applicable. I don't think it's out of context at all. It's found in Philippians chapter 4. And in Philippians chapter 4, really verses 6 through uh, 8, we get some incredible instructions on how to deal with anxiety uh, in our life, how to deal with the things that we're uh, worried about. Philippians 4, 6 says this, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Now Paul has experience in this. He's, in, he's writing this from jail. He's writing it to the Philippians where when the Philippians first got converted in, in Acts 16, Paul was in jail there. He'd been thrown in jail. And at midnight he was singing songs and hymns to the Lord. See, he was casting his cares in, in something where a lot of people would have been very afraid, very worried, very anxious. He had cast his cares upon the Lord, was singing praises to the Lord while he was in jail in Philippi. And so he tells the Philippian believers this now, and they can understand and listen to Paul because they know his story. And he says, And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Then we come to verse 8. And incidentally, it's kind of interesting, there are eight things in verse 8 for us to meditate on. If you go to the end of the verse, end of verse 8, it says, Meditate on these things. Well, to meditate, what that means simply, it's a, again a Greek word, and it means to chew again. It's like a cow. The image that we get is a cow that chews her cud. If you don't know anything about cows, they eat, and the food is not ready to be digested. They carry it around in their stomach. It works a little bit in the first stomach, and then they regurgitate it. They burp it back up into their mouth, and they chew it again. It's called their cud. And then they swallow it, and when, when the pH and everything is right, and when it's been chewed enough, it goes right through that first stomach into the next stomach. And so the first stomach is called a rumen. So you ruminate. You think about something. And when the cow ruminates, she burps it back up and she chews it again. So Paul gives us eight things here to ruminate on, to burp back up into your brain and to really think about it. And when you apply these things to your fears, it can be very helpful. So the first thing I would say to you today is in, in overcoming your fears and putting God in first place is this. Name what your fear is. Name it. Because if, if you say, well, I'm really not afraid of anything, but then something comes along and you act fearful, you do have fears. So really go into your own life, into your own mind, into your own heart and say, what am I really afraid of? Am, am I afraid that my children will turn away from God? Uh, am I afraid um, that I'm not going to have enough uh, money? I'm going to run out of money before I run out of month. Am I afraid of um, driving in heavy traffic? Our son Evan doesn't like to drive. 
uh, in areas like Burlington because of all the traffic. Uh, there's a lot of traffic in Burlington, but you know, he's got this fear he needs to overcome. But for us as Christians, let's just name our fears and be honest with ourselves, be honest with God. And if we don't think we have any, ask God to reveal them to us. Maybe you're afraid of the economy crashing. Maybe you're afraid because both your parents died with cancer. Maybe you're afraid you're going to get it. I don't know what your fears might be. But, but we have fears. And uh, so name it. And then go to this Philippians 8. And it says this. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true. And we're going to stop on each one of these words. So you're going to take your fear, whatever it is, and you're going to say, what is true? about this thing that I'm afraid of. And I have a fun example to share with you. Okay? I have a couple, actually, but this one's kind of fun. Uh, this week, we now have cattle here on our little ranch behind the church. Uh, we have three. We had had just one, and we got two more a couple days ago. But when we had the, the one, we're trying to get her nice and friendly and coming to us, so we, we feed her grain uh, out of a bucket, and I usually go out and do that, but Don wanted to feed her. So to keep Don safe, because cows can be a little rough. You know, they can push on the bucket. They can do some things. I said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put you inside. I put her inside the crib or the manger where the sheep eat outside uh, so that the cow couldn't get in where she was. She would stay where the cow isn't, and the cow could reach over and eat the grain out of the bucket. Everybody should be safe. It's a very safe thing. No fear at all. And then I went in the barn, and I was working on some other chores, and she was out there holding the bucket, and the cow, her name's Spot, is eating the grain. It's a beautiful picture. A little, little farm girl feeding her cow. And I'm in the barn doing some work, and a, and a few minutes later, I hear my dear, precious daughter screaming as if she's dying. I, you know, I could hear the fear in the depth of her, her, of her bowels. She was just grieved with fear. And so I said, I'm coming, Don, I'm coming, I'm going to rescue her, because I'm the father, I'm the protector. I don't know what's going on out there. So I get out there, and... Um, here she is, uh, the bucket has been thrown, and she's running and screaming, and the cow is dancing around, and her tail's up, and she's kicking her heels and having a good time. And I said, Don, Don, it's okay, come to me. She comes to me, and she's clinging to me, and shaking and looking back at the cow, and she said, she's going to eat me. She's trying to eat me. And I said, now, Don, cows don't eat people. Her mouth was open. Okay. Now, so what I had to do is I had to take this child and bring her to a place to, where she had this incredible fear and take her to a place where we could talk about what is true. What was true? She, she, had some, she had some danger. You know, the cow wanted to play. The cow's big. She's little. She should have stayed in the manger. That 